0: Won't stop firing. I think
1: I'm
0: being followed. My dad is turning
2: green, like literally green. My last nav check put me at Lagrange Point
3: Four. This is Control. Be we'll radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency.
0: Sits and sibs, captains and commanders, you've tuned to the guard frequency, and as all good pilots know. When you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 189 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever, and it was recorded on Friday, October 13th, and made available for download Tuesday, October 17th over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Tony. And I'm Shadow. And
1: in the audiobook this week with this sweet, lovable face is Henry. So what do we have in store this week, Shadow? In this week's Squawk Box, we're getting buzzed by an asteroid. Next, we see what news from your favorite Space Sims has landed as we get animated talking about Star Citizen 3.0. And we tell you all the ways we've been conned in Elite Dangerous. Finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join the conversation.
3: That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the squawk box.
0: Cryptor, cryptor Cryptor this is Jeff saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. If you weren't paying attention last Thursday, and by paying attention we mean, mean manning a powerful telescope, you probably missed something a little like this. Sorry,
1: Goose, but it's time to buzz the tower.
2: Goddamn, the son of a bitch.
0: That's right. On October 12th at 1.42 a.m., the Earth was buzzed by an asteroid, 2012 TC4. That's right, TC4. Scientists have been tracking the path of that stellar rock for months as it was angled much closer to Earth than many other previous flybys. When it finally passed, it came within 26,000 miles, roughly over Antarctica. That's closer than the orbit of the moon and just outside the range where geostationary satellites hang out. However, Ben Affleck and his colleagues were never on the call. For one, the scientists knew for a while that the asteroid was going to miss her. For another, even if it had lined up for a dead center impact, it wasn't anything to worry about. 2012, TC4 is only 33 to 50 feet in diameter, small enough that it would have burned up in the atmosphere, although the resulting fireball would have given the penguins something to think about. Unfortunately, the asteroid itself was too small for scientists to do much testing or imaging. Landing a probe on it, like the Rosetta mission, wasn't feasible, again, because the asteroid's size. And its size meant that the radar images and telescopes can't get a good view because the cross section is so small. However, scientists are treating this like a practice for tracking asteroids in the future. They're actually encouraged by the size of this one as they say small asteroids approaches or collisions are much more likely because there are more small asteroids in space than large ones. 2012 TC4 will probably be back for another run. As the name suggests, the asteroid was first discovered in 2012. But then the telescopes lost it when they went too far out into black. Its reappearance means scientists now have a better idea of its orbit, so they'll get more lead time on its next approach.
3: 33 feet. That's like, that's house size. That's like, smaller than a house. How dangerous was one of
0: that size?
3: They said it's going to burn up in the atmosphere, so not very dangerous. But even if it got to the ground, I don't, I don't think it would be that bad.
0: Well, it all depends on its composition as well. I mean, if it's hard iron, uh, it probably wouldn't burn up. If it was ice particles or something like that, it would probably, you know, yeah, just dissipate.
3: It's good that we're finding the little tiny ones too. That makes me feel better that we're not missing something big and dangerous.
2: You know, they're, they're, we've got, we've got a handle on the tiny ones. Well, just because they found one doesn't mean they find all that size. Oh, shush. You know, Yellowstone's going to explode safe. too, Don't right? Don't feel safe, Tony. You're never safe.
3: Yeah, the Yellowstone caldera's about to blow too, according to some people in Wyoming. So, you know, I mean, we're all going to die, basically. Just, just just stick a fork in us. We're done, one way or the other. Got to get
1: off the planet. The one that's in uh, the movie Armageddon was as big as Texas, if I remember correctly.
2: That's a bit bigger yeah, than like 30, 30 to 50 feet. 33 feet. A little feet. bit yeah. bigger. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit bigger. Texas is, uh, yeah, a little bigger than that.
0: When I heard about it in the news, of course, I'd read about it early in blog. It was like the planetary defense system is being tested. It's like, what planetary defense system? (laughs) That's a guy pointing saying, we see it. That's a defense yeah, system. It's right exactly, there. Exactly,
2: right?
1: It's it's a, he has a green laser pointer. That's what it is. <laughs>
3: that's right. <laughs> Ooh, that one goes way up there, doesn't it, He's then? got a baseball Ooh, mitt. He's just ready. <laughs> I,
0: I, just, I just love mainstream news, though. It's was like planetary defense system. I, I turned to my wife and I said, planetary defense system? Come on. That's funny. My, uh,
3: my son just had to do a project on uh, near-Earth objects, these things like this, little asteroids like this. And, uh, he basically was really enthusiastic about the idea of of the gravity tractor. He he really liked the idea of being able to send a thing out there and just park it next to the asteroid and just sit. And it just pulls it off like a degree or half a degree or a third of a degree as as the gravity of the satellite just sits there and makes it just then it misses. But we have to spot it way, 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 way farther away than 26,000 miles. That
2: would be such a great movie.
0: That was the whole plot of The Salvation Show that was on uh, ABC.
3: Right. Right, with the uh, with EM drive. They tried yeah, to fictionalize the EM drive. Yeah. It still doesn't work, but everyone really, 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 really wants it to. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm going to binge watch that one day. Let me know if it's any good once you binge watch it. I'm sure it's fine, but it's just that it's the human drama has to come from building the thing, letting it go, because once you actually launch it, you just like. Yeah, Armageddon would have Armageddon. been a
2: different movie if Bruce Willis's job was yeah. to just go out there and then wait next to the asteroid <laughs> yeah. while he watched it go, alright guys it's starting to sway a little bit. I'll call you next week and let you know how it's going. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. man. Check the
3: spreadsheet, Mike. <laughs> it's still there, Steve. <laughs>
0: Read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawkyguardfrequency.com But for now, let's see what news has hit the plate deck. Speed 175, Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Now
3: hang on everyone, don't go crazy, but we're going to do Elite News first. Don't panic. Last week we promised you a fully-fleshed, well-considered, thought-provoking, and otherwise hyphenated adjective discussion on the news from last Saturday's Frontier Expo 2017. I'm sure all you space sim aficionados have read everything there is to read, and seen every YouTube video there is to see, full of analysis and speculation on what it all means. It's unlikely you're going to hear anything in this segment that qualifies as new or fresh, However, long-time listeners will recall that our speciality here on the Guard is pugilistic combat with deceased equines. So, without further ado,
0: lead designer Sandro Sammarco, art director Chris Gregory, game director Lawrence Oldham, and senior community manager Edward Lewis took to the stage to tease the elite fan base with a heavily redacted shopping list slash whiteboard of what's coming to the game soon. Trademark and throughout 2018. Basically, the roadmap they discussed consists of intimate releases, a near-term update, and a long-term update. All of the features they discussed at the expo will be available for no extra charge to players who have the Horizons update.
1: Starting off with the near-term, aka the rest of the 2.4 content, we're only a few weeks into the release, but more and more breadcrumbs are being dropped as commanders make new discoveries. More on that in a moment. The narrative drops seem to be the main feature of this update, along with the community goals to unlock the gizmo of the week, but the team did reveal at least one major feature that will debut soon. Red Thargoids. According to the brief trailer Frontier showed, this version is definitely more of a shoot first, what are these questions you speak of, human, variety.
3: Next up, Frontier described their plans for the medium term. This will be released in the first quarter of 2018, the first drop of what they are calling the BEYOND update. According to the team, the BEYOND patches will focus on three things. Narrative progression, enhancements and development of the core game experience, and adding new features and content to the game. Our research badgers believe that these features are already in various stages of prototyping and refinement. They further believe that we will see these items in beta by February and released in
0: March. First up. Engineers will be refined to be a little more predictable. A little less RNG-licious. Frontier says that each new role will be guaranteed to leave your module better than the last. No word on the magnitude or type of better that we're talking about here. But the research badgers believe that getting a god-rolled grade 5 dirty drive is going to take a whole lot more rock shooting than before. Next up, new ships in the form of the Chieftain from
1: in-fiction manufacturer Lacon Industries, and the crate from the original Elite game in 1984. The team showed off work-in-progress shots of both ships to the delight of the crowd. The crate is close to the last of the old-school Elite ships yet to be updated for the new game. In the old game, it was a high-tech, fast, and powerful interceptor, and because they didn't want to get Twitter bombed into oblivion, it looks like it will be the same thing in this iteration. The Chieftain will be among the first of the Alliance's specialty ships and is a new concept. With four outboard engine nacelles mounted on pairs of fore and aft struts, this looks like a classic dropship configuration. The Badgers suspect that three other ships are waiting in the wings, but are wondering how they will get unlocked. The Alliance has no rank progression system, unlike the Imperials and the Federation. Perhaps this is another feature waiting to deploy?
3: And finally, the Potpourri category. Crime and Punishment will be getting some, quote, teeth, in the form of a meaningful response from system authority ships. Improved trade data will make its way in-game, finally. Wing missions will become available so that you have something to do with your friends. Planetary tech improvements will begin to come online during Q1 and continue throughout the year, offering improved visuals and additional terrain features. There will be an audio version of Galnet which will read the news to you in your cockpit as you fly. And lastly, there will be a continuing development of the narrative, including global events that trigger individual unlockable items and, quote, new ships, missions, scenarios, and other new content, end quote.
0: But wait, there's more. After some of the various and sundry drops throughout Q2 and Q3 2018, by the end of the year, Frontier expects to release the last major update of the Beyond season. These are a little more substantive, and the research badgers suspect they are still in the whiteboarding and scoping phases. As such, there are precious few details regarding these features. But that's never stopped us from wildly speculating, and we do that quite well, on what should be included. There's almost certainly time to change plans to incorporate our ideas. We build the best damn space sims ever.
3: We do, we do.
0: On the other hand, if there's a detailed design doc anyone wants to send us, we'd be happy to review it. Confidentially, of course.
1: We'll start with the one that has Shiv's heart all aflutter. Mining. As long-time listeners know, well, they probably don't know much about mining because we hardly ever talk about it. That's because it's sort of boring. Not space-trucker boring, at least you can watch Netflix know that the current version of mining requires fairly close attention and concentration and the rewards are modest at best. Frontier intends to change all that. From the forum post, quote We want to expand the ways in which you detect and extract resources, give you a tool set, variety, and choice in how you mine. Importantly we want to invoke a feeling of the Wild West prospecting jeopardy from crises and challenges out in the void and potential for striking it big Finding the mother load in special asteroids. Our goal is to make mining a fully fledged career. Something that you can progress and work on. End quote.
3: Now something that Jeff can actually be happy about. Yay. Squadrons. All That's right, right Jeff. Someone finally listened to you.
0: Hey, we we are the best game designers for Space Sims around. What I know.
3: Finally they listened to you, Jeff. Finally they listened to you. And, and from the forum post, here we go. Quote, you'll be able to create your own squadron with tools to manage its hierarchy and membership. Squadrons will feature enhanced communications options, making it easier to coordinate your efforts, whether you're doing community goals, supporting your power, or manipulating the background simulation. As a little treat, squadrons will be able to purchase a fleet carrier, giving members a mobile base of operations where they can restock, refuel, and respawn. End quote.
0: Yes! Okay, I'm happy with the lead again. Hey, Henry, there's something in the bag for you, too. The exploration mechanic will also see an upgrade by the end of the next year. Again, just to make sure our speculation is well-grounded, quote, these new mechanics will also improve the experience for anyone searching for something, be that mission or a particular resource. To support exploration, we are adding the Codex, an archive that logs your exploration achievements and acts as a repository for game lore. There will also be new phenomena, anomalies, and other exciting things to discover." End quote. Yay! Additionally, the team
1: will continue to iterate and improve its planetary tech. The research badgers speculate that these incremental improvements may lay the groundwork for atmospheric flight and landing on populated planets. Here's hoping. Also, just to make sure that these announcements stay edgy and controversial, Frontier's head of communications metaphorically poured Forum gasoline all over himself. Zach Antonacci posted a short paragraph in response to a concern that pilots who purchased the Lifetime Expansion Pass were getting a bit shortchanged. What with all this great free stuff that Frontier keeps giving to Horizon owners, he very calmly and politely said, quote, rest assured that the Lifetime Expansion Pass owners will be looked after and will be getting their hands on premium content as part of their Lifetime Expansion Pass before the end of 2018, and the beyond series of updates. I hope that this helps, Zack." End quote. Now we have to wonder what frontier are going to lock behind a pay gate for the rest of us. What's this premium content business? Cash grab slap in the face, man.
3: Yeah, man. Before we leave all this elite stuff, let's circle back to the in game narrative developments we talked about at the top of the segment. Frontier is keeping up with the slow reveal of how much the previous game lore applies to this game's history. The crashed Thargoid Scout we talked about last week has been confirmed by Aegis to be about 100 years old. This lines up nicely with the ages of the shipwrecks yes, they are shipwrecks of the Thargoid structures buried across the Pleiades cluster. Additionally, an abandoned facility has been located that once belonged to INRA, the Interstellar Naval Reserve Arm. In fiction, this was a predecessor to the Aegis Group. The Feds and the Imperials combine forces to study the Thargoids and maybe come up with some sort of defense, like, I don't know, like a biological mycoid fungus virus thing or whatever. Oh, there's audio recordings there, too. I'll let you guess what they reveal... Okay, I won't. I won't make you guess. It's the, it's the fungus thing. <laughs> that's what they invent, That's where they invented the fungus.
2: So as with the with the Inra based, I think they've only found one of them. I've heard there's more. Mm. Um, but the one supposedly that, there's the, more. The, of them, the one yeah. that they did find is apparently the one where they were working on the mycoid virus, which is cool. Because you'd think that'd be the big yeah, yeah, cool one. Um, so the logs are really cool. I don't want to go into too much of the logs, but it is cool. Go to there and read the logs very cool stuff.
3: Yeah, like we talked about last week having some voice acting and, and it kind of bling, brings a, a thing to life. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool to find those logs are, are good listening. So, 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 who's excited? Yeah, definitely. All these
2: features. You're excited about what? There's a lot of cool
3: yeah, stuff. I'm joking. I it on I'm, on it. I'm joking. At
0: least yeah. yeah. a game <laughs>
3: that we talk them. about once a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dangerous. You might have heard of it. Yeah. space space battles and stuff. No, uh, no. The, uh, I'm I'm really excited about squadrons. Obviously, that's the the main feature that I'm I've been looking for since the game launched. Essentially, for me, the game stunk until Wings came out. Wings was one of the first releases. It was one point two, and it was the game was not good until that one came out. And so. The more cooperative you can get with your friends, the better the game gets, and so the squadron is going to be a huge step.
2: I wonder if this will, in part, replace wings, or if wings will be some component of working with squadrons. Like you'll use your squadron to find a wing, or if you'll, uh, or if they'll, they'll not have so much wing, because that seemed really limited. Didn't they have a problem with the wing system limiting? Oh yeah, uh, multi crew.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I, and I don't know if they're ever going to get over the wing multi-crew thing. But they're they're not they're not leaving wings because part of the Q one update is impro- is actually handing you wing missions.
2: Yeah, that's cool. So
3: there'll be they'll, yeah, there'll be missions you can do as a wing uh, that you try to accomplish. So I imagine the wings are going to be a subset of what squadrons can do.
0: I, I I too am excited about squadrons. I think that's a fantastic idea that i had and i'm i'm so glad that they, <laughs> they've uh, taken it to heart. So do
1: you think that the carriers will be affordable by smaller
0: organizations?
3: I think so. And what um, this is what i'm guessing and again I'll refer back to our our lingua franca star trek online. They when they did their starbase thing, they dialed it in for what they thought was a fleet of about 20 to 25 players. 20 to 25 active players and on the forums if you want to be a minor faction, if you want to be listed in the game as a minor faction, you have to have a minimum of 10. So I, I really do think that their headspace is, is, is in the neighborhood of a, you know a, a dozen to 20 players in a group, I think is where they is what they're aimed at. So it would not it would, it would surprise me if they were trying to go bigger. That would really 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 surprise me.
0: Are they bringing uh, the faction carriers, or are they just going to bring a generic carrier to, to the play?
3: No details. No details. Um, this is where we do our theory crafting. Yay! I'm hoping that what it is is a derivative of sort of the Starbase bills in Star Trek Online, where it's a combination of cash and materials that you have to um, acquire and donate, and um, and then it's that it's a series of missions like. Build the hyperdrive, build the hull, uh, acquire the defense turrets. You know, I, I'm hoping I, I would like to see it be gameplay, not just turn in two billion credits and here you know, buy your ship. That that I think would be, I think that would suck.
0: As long as it's not outrageous. Yeah, uh, you know, when they first did the star bases, it was a little bit, you know, outrageous.
3: I anticipate it's gonna be, you know, months of work for a, for the time I imagine when they dial it in they're gonna dial it in for a group of like I said a dozen people that will take a couple of months to actually get built at least a couple of months
2: yeah uh, to get built I, I think so I think that's exactly right I'm sure they're gonna use the community goal system for build you know building your ships it'll be a series of community goals that are set specifically for your faction that you set up some way. So it'll just be like your own community goals that you'll fulfill. So it'll probably be exactly what you're describing that Star Trek Online did using the community goal system to fill the buckets of uh, credits and resources and uh, technology that you collect and whatnot.
1: It would be interesting to know, like, who has control over that? I mean, is it just the organization head? Because they know the factions don't work quite the same as like a guild, right?
3: Right, they don't work the same at all. Right now, in, in their current form, you have basically zero control. And even those very few player factions who have gotten a ship like Canon, the, the Canon Research Group has the Gnosis, they basically have to, like, email the developers and say, "Will you move our ship to this system, and then, you know, the next update, we're scheduling your jump for Thursday. It's like a doctor's appointment, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll
3: squeeze you in at 9.30 or so, you know, be here half-hour early for the paperwork, you know, I mean... Uh, I'm hoping they have a different system thought out for, for that.
2: That does kind of work in the elite lore, though, for, for right now. I mean, look at moving yeah. Jack's station. That was something that was weeks right. leading up to it, and then there was trouble. It's cool that uh, canon has got an yeah. email and say we want to move the Gnosis. It's like, prepare to jump, start gathering resources, everybody. Yeah. Like, tie everything <laughs> down. Go deck to deck and tie exactly. everything down. That makes sense. Yeah.
3: I get it. So, uh, so, mining is going to be apparently be a thing that's going to be a lot more... Uh, and the part that got me on it was that it's going to be a progression. Like, you'll have to, like... You have to unlock your mining tools.
2: Mining right now is pretty much something that goes on while you're in a has shooting bad guys. It's just a background activity that's happening. And it's all NPCs doing it. Hopefully this does make a difference. But I don't know how you set up progression for mining. I mean, you can fill mining experience with minigames... You know, like uh, matching waveforms like they have in Star Trek Online or uh, maybe piloting your limpets or something like that. There are things you could do, but I don't see a progression that you could have when you go to a rock, scan the rock, collect the rock and sell the rock.
1: It'd be interesting to know, it'd be interesting that they had mining specific ships rather than you having just outfit mining equipment on, um, on existing ships. Yeah. Well, it could. Be, I don't think that that's not part of their design brief. It
2: could be argued that they do have mining specific ships. I mean, you would never go mining in your Viper. That's a combat specific ship. You could, you would go mining in a hauler or something like that. Maybe not. Right.
1: A Huller, it would but, be, it would be the same as a cargo know. ship. Which yeah, it's does...
2: basically like car, like industrial ships versus combat ships and then exploration ships. So we already kind of have a category. I see what you're saying. Maybe like a whole mining class in addition to the industrial class that's for shipping. Right. Yeah, that that could work.
3: Yeah, I could see them making the new alliance ships that they're gonna roll out be mining friendly or designed with that in mind, so that you know, the size of bays and the number of bays that you have are you know amenable to that sort of thing. But what I, what I did want what I did want to point out is that their concept art and one of the things they talked about was actually blowing asteroids up, not just like scoring an asteroid to laser beam, but actually exploding it to get at the goodies inside. So I think that I mean, they're gonna change the way that you mine the asteroids entirely,
1: I think is their idea. They mentioned on stage that it would be special asteroids that you would explode.
3: Right, right. And that's the mother load thing, right? It's like, ooh, I found one I can blow up. Like Jeff was talking about in the squawk box, you know, if it's you know a solid iron, you're not blowing that up. But if it's loose and crumbly and maybe has some goodies on the inside you you explode the thing and, and then and scoop out its delicious gooey center. So I think that that I think that's it, that one, out of all the professions, that's the one that needed the most work. Because I only mined when I had to to unlock the engineers. Yeah, was super boring. I went on exploration. Exploration is fun. I mean, you can jump around and see cool stuff. Uh, I saw the lure in that. Combat's my favorite by far. Trading, eh, I'll do it. Uh, it makes money, yay. But I can't be bothered with mining. There's just nothing that makes me want to
2: and hopefully exploration will be getting better soon anyway. I'm really looking forward to some of the new stuff, anomalies and things like that. That's well, going to be awesome. Yeah. Stuff to do? Yes. Yay, yeah, stuff to do. Yeah. And 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 they're going to give you tools to track
3: it too. They're going to improve trading apparently and give you more data in the game on that and give you stuff to track your exploration with as well. So, I think we've had this discussion before about the, you know, third-party web tools. They're great and all, but it's it would be nice if it was more in the game. And I think hopefully those they're going to bring some of those tools in.
2: Now, doesn't this sound a little bit like when they were saying, you know, the last update for Horizons, our two point four update, is going to be polishing systems that we should have been polishing from the beginning? But now it sounds like Beyond is the place they're actually going to do that.
3: Well, and again, we they didn't talk about this either, and they didn't. This is part. This goes into that discussion of the lifetime membership thing too. Is that they're not drawing a hard line about this is the end of Horizons, right? This seems like, even though they're calling it Beyond, they're not drawing a hard line at the end of Horizons here. I think Beyond is actually still Horizons. I, I don't know, what they, they didn't say what numbers or anything they're going to do with these patches, but I expect the Q1 drop to be 2.5, really.
2: When this came, when Horizons came out, I thought it was going to be a year of releases. And then it seemed yeah. like it took two years. So I can get why the people with Lifetime were like, come on, man. We're supposed to have a season pass, everybody's getting everything, and now more free updates into the third year. I'm glad they're free, I have Horizons, but I totally get where the Lifetime Pass guys are going. Who's Lifetime? Jeff's Lifetime as an immortal? Because I've been here three years and haven't gotten a single freebie yet.
1: I mean, you, so. <laughs> you can you can argue since they got Horizons free. How much was it? That was like fifty dollars, right, when it came out originally.
3: Yeah, I think it was as much as the game. I think if I remember. So it.
1: they got they they have a hundred and twenty dollars so far worth of, worth of packages for their one fifty, and so one more expansion, than they have more than broken even.
2: You know, they could solve yeah. this whole thing and make their cash store like available to people that have that lifetime. Either give them a monthly stipend like they do in Star Trek Online. Or just give them access to a lot of items in the store for free. That would be cool.
0: Hey, whatever you want to give me, give me. I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> but they've got to get some value
2: for that because you're exactly right. They paid like 150 bucks. They've gotten two um, packs for that, the first and the second update. And they're they're sitting here going, you know, you guys are going to give us the update. Are you ever going to make it? It's three years.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think the real controversy, though, is that they sold more of them at when they were selling Horizons. They said you can buy horizons and it's like fifty bucks or sixty bucks, whatever it was. And they said, or you can buy the lifetime expansion pass for this amount, and you know then you you don't have to pay anything ever again. And so a lot of people went for that one on your calendar, Henry, like you said. You know they figured it would be you know once it'd be annually. They figured they'll make their quote quote, make their money back in, in two years. But I I think that their internal development schedule did not match up with the marketing. Even though it might take longer to quote make your money back. I still think they're going to eventually, Uh, and patience, but what what worries me a little bit is the idea of premium content. I do not want Elite going the route that other games go of giving ships and guns and things like that to those customers and not making them available in game or making them available at a much higher price to uh, people that just play.
1: Well, if they're going to have premium content, they have to have some other way to get it too, right? They're not going to just say, "Okay, these right. people that paid 150 4 years ago get this premium content and nobody else gets it." they are going to be another way to buy it, or there's going to be like uh, another opportunity to buy this expansion pass or they'll have like a a premium a premium subscription pass that's that's so I guess one one problem I have with with this whole expansion yearly thing with Elite is it it, it kind of turns into a subscription if it ends up being yearly and I don't have any desire to do another subscription game like that. So, the idea that you have some content that is kind of locked behind the subscription that, like, is more quests or something like that, then, then I would rather have that than the baseline. Like, I don't own Horizons. I mean, I have, I don't, I play Elite mm, so I play Elite occasionally, but I just haven't needed the Horizons content. It hasn't been a thing for me. So, um, eventually I'll buy it. Probably very soon, actually. But, and I'd rather not have to buy an expansion every, you know, every year or every
0: other year, even. Though. Well, then you should have bought the lifetime pass. Well <laughs> That's true, but
1: I didn't. I didn't want to spend one hundred and fifty dollars on a game I didn't know I was going to like.
0: The way the way I I, I read it, and the way it was explained when I asked the questions on the forms and stuff, was the fact that by buying the lifetime expansion, I I would never have to pay for another update ever again. Now that didn't say. And then up till 2020 or up till, you know, 2018 or whatever, uh, you know, they gave a date, uh, uh, a date. But every time they made it, push an update. And they were going to monetize this. Even at the beginning of the game, when they were developing, they were going to monetize the expansions and stuff. And so,
3: yeah, by... That was part of the original
0: design. Yeah, that was part that of the original but that design. But really, that, that only, you know, selling yearly expansion
1: passes only works for a game that's really popular right? Like, games like WoW used to be able to pull that kind of crap off. But, and, and, and Guild Wars for a couple of times, too. But you know, at least just not popular enough to, like, paywall massive amounts of content update behind basically a subscription fee.
2: Well, see, that's the thing. I, I'd like to ask you about that point. Is that, is that accurate? Because it seems to me like a game like Elite, where they have fewer people probably than a game like Warcraft, would have to depend on selling expansions to their niche group to generate the money that they're not getting from their freemium model, you know, from a freemium model. Am I wrong there? Because I, I just want to understand where you're coming from.
1: They're, they're, my point is that they're, they're still focused, even, even a couple of years in, they're still flushing out mechanics and stuff. They're focused on getting player base right now. Once your player base is high enough and steady enough, then you can start monetizing the player base. Um, with expansions and things like that, I think they are. I think they released Horizons too soon, and they probably released Horizons when they did because of the lifetime expansion people.
3: All I can say is a couple months ago, Braven tweeted out that, that there was 2.75 million licenses sold, and that's a combination between the original Elite game and the Horizons expansion pack. So, like. Two point seven five million transactions uh, for those two SKUs.
1: But it's it's not a matter of boxes. It's not a matter of boxes. It's a matter of concurrent users, people that are regularly getting on, right? So until you, yeah. So if you have enough people regularly getting on, then you can then you can sell an expansion and expect a lot of those people to buy. If there aren't a lot of concurrent people, if like you know 99% of those 2.75 million just bought the game and occasionally get on right then you're, yeah. if you if you say here's your next expansion for 60 bucks then those people simply won't come on anymore right and you want to get those numbers up before you charge them again
3: that's that's possible my counter argument to that is people bought the game then they bought the expansion and then they like you know let's let's like, let's take you a, a, a player that thinks the game is okay but you know man you know, it's not a demand on your time right it's not something that you're going to like you
1: know rush to go do yeah i have a lot of other things competing for my time
3: yeah right right you, you got other things competing for your for your entertainment time so but then you hear the expansions coming out and then you see all these features and content and things and how the game has changed and progressed and developed you're curious enough to spend money once you're curious enough to spend money the second time and you see the stuff roll out and you're like huh or maybe you even missed the second one. Let's let's say for let's say for the, for this ar- uh, argument, you didn't buy Horizons.
1: That, that's true. It all depends on how they monetize it. Again, if they did it like the original vanilla WoW, where you actually had to buy sequential expansions to get to the new one, like if I have to buy Horizons yeah. before I buy the That'll new one. That would be a one, barrier. Then I'm, then I'm be, le- even less likely, right? It's like, oh, okay. Instead right. of forty bucks, it's now hundred dollars for me to catch up with my friends. I'm not sure that's worth it. Yeah, right? forget
3: it. You'll, they won't do it. They are they're, they're not going to do that. They'll will they'll, they'll be happy taking the money that they got, and they're going to say catch up with everybody for this for sixty bucks for this next expansion, whatever it is we're going to be doing. Or what they do is they will never charge for an expansion ever again. Like you're like you were saying, they don't have the player base or whatever, and they're going to find a way to, as Henry was saying. Compensate those lifetime expansion uh, people in other ways, whether it's Jeff's suggestion of giving them access to free stuff in the in the cosmetic store, or whether it's you know unique missions or whatever that can only be uh, purchased as DLC by everybody else. Um, you know, those are other things that they might do, and other things that might be more palatable to the kind of player base that we're talking about here.
1: This week's Elite Dangerous community question. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What's your favorite thing about all the things that were going to happen? Give us your best guess about the killer app frontier will ship for Elite in 2018. Details are coming.
0: CIG is in the midst of testing with the Ibacotti. So the burn down report this week covered the trials and tribulation of how well that's shaking out, as well as addressing their future plans. Apparently the introduction of the so-called Delta Patcher, which is a patcher that only downloads the changed files rather than the entire game code each time, has provided a couple of boons to the process.
3: Because releasing a new build no longer condemns people with slow connections to a multi-hour download, the Avocati testing process has finally reached the point Lenin pined for way back when. The devs say they're now releasing new content to the Evocati almost daily, and if something goes catastrophically wrong with the build, they're able to initiate a rollback quickly. Note that they aren't releasing new features daily. Most of the daily updates are just new bug fixes and quality of life
1: tweaks. Overall, they gave account of 23 remaining blocking issues. The wording on ATV said that the issues were preventing the quote, full release of 3.0, unquote. So it's possible that means there are only 23 issues remaining before 3.0 is complete. Then again, they did say the next feature being focused on is the shopping experience. So it may only be 23 issues until that future release.
0: And then a different count will appear for the next feature. The feature segment of ATV focused on the updates the devs are making to ship cockpits. Their goal is to integrate player avatar animations and systems into the cockpit experience. They focused on the cockpit they labeled HOTUS CL. The cockpit model they used was from the Gladius, Buccaneer, Cutlass, Herald, Saber, and the Vanguard.
3: On the animation side, they're making it so the player avatar will actually react in the seat when the ship is pulling g-forces, taking hits, or otherwise maneuvering in a way where you'd expect the pilot's body to adjust. They also updated the interactive animation so the avatars are hitting different controls for each different function on the ship. The stated goal is that someone should be able to figure out how the ship works just by watching the avatar
1: use the controls. As for the cockpits themselves, they are going to be more informative and responsive, particularly in combat. They updated the information displays so that they should all be readable without zooming in, and the so-called combat visor screens are returning. They are also changing the alerts. Currently, the ship only warns pilots if they are going to run into something or if they're just this side of blowing up. Now there will be alerts tuned to coming under attack and taking damage.
0: Speaking of damage, the cockpits will now have damage states. Those of you who missed the old wing commander feature where your cockpit would start looking more and more distressed as you took damage will soon feel right at home. In addition, the damage and stress will start affecting your pilot's stamina the same way running and strenuous activity on the ground would. So if you pull yourself out of a dog bite by the skin of your teeth, your pilot will be catching their breath afterward. So the combat Pfizer is actually
1: a pretty big deal. I know lots and lots of people in uh, Arena Commander were complaining about when, when that went away and, and, and all the HUD changed again. And honestly, some of the ships are, you just, you can't read any of the instrumentation at all without stopping and looking with your head and and zooming in with your scroll wheel and stuff like that. So these are all very welcome changes in order to make more ships competitive in combat and and, and, and useful all around. And and the whole idea here of the the damage is just insanely great. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've played like Arena Commander or, you know, uh, Pirate Swarm or something like that. And I'm sitting there flying along and fighting somebody, and then my ship blows up. And I realize, oh, someone was behind me shooting me the whole time, and I just didn't realize it. Because um, I wasn't paying attention to the super small shield monitor that I had on the particular fighter that I was flying.
2: Situational awareness is key. And damage modeling really adds to immersion, too. I love when my screen blows out in Elite. It's going to be cool to see how they model damage in Star
1: Citizen. Well, their damage model is already super super detailed it's just the inside isn't
2: yeah for the right exterior now. for the inside yeah i want to see some see what the, where they go there
1: so they have a lot of extensive um damage and alert states on the capital ships but most people spend their times nowadays in the uh, small fighters and so that is a uh, uh, that that's where they're really moving towards and, and that'll be interesting going forward the the blocking issue thing i we don't even know what to talk about there i mean i think that's a uh, i
3: they, they they have their own numbering system and they change it at will and so twenty three could be four. It makes the whole thing irrelevant. It's not even worth it. No, completely it, irrelevant it's, it's, it
1: well the I know the Kati have been told not to try and test certain features too. So they'll they'll say, Okay, you guys, these are the things we really want people looking at right now. And so um they're getting they're getting directive uh, on their, their Discord channel for, for specific things. And if somebody goes out and says, oh, I got a problem with this, they're like, well, write it up, but we're not looking at that right now. Evocati things get put on their issue council and get upvoted and things like that, and eventually a dev sees them. And if the dev can reproduce it locally um, in kind of a, a long loop cycle, then it gets written up as a formal JIRA ticket for devs to actually work on and stuff like that. So. Exactly how many of these 23 were promoted through the Evocati versus um, them just noticing these bucks because people were playing or at least be completely independent of the whole Evocati testing at all is, is a little unclear as well.
3: It seems to me that they're completely independent. I mean, it, and it further seems to me like uh, they, they're kind of driving towards a deadline. I this J- Jace uh, popped up in our channel earlier. There has been a letter from the chairman that came out basically the first half of it's just rehashing kind of what we've been talking about. The second half is that they're supposed to have a Squadron 42 holiday live stream, and they're going to show us bits of Squadron 42 at the end of the year. So it seems to me like they are driving this 3.0 stuff, which is you know largely the backbone of Squadron 42, for an end-of-the-calendar-year type event. So
1: I, I, I think this is just forestalling everyone freaking out when it's not CitizenCon.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, it's like, you know, uh, set your expectations for December. Oh, wait, and then here at Guard Frequency, we always add 60 days to so anything CG uh, CIG says. So we're talking Valentine? no, Groundhog, no, uh, St. Patrick's Day.
1: Well, honestly, it was supposed to be, sh- it was supposed to be shown last year at Citizen Con. Remember that? a delay?
2: of things and software development. They'll make another Space Worm this year instead. You remember they had the.
1: Yeah, they're supposed that stuff, yeah. and then they're
2: like, "Oh, instead, we made this cool space worm. <laughs> you guys can look at for
3: the space whale for this the convention." Year. But
1: if they had a, if they had a space worm every year, then and that would be awesome. I like <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right, so uh, look for a holiday live stream for Squadron Forty Two updates. Don't look for it at CitizenCon Con, uh, because you'll be disappointed because it won't be there. Uh, but I, it seems to me like they're driving this the three stuff to get something in shape by the end of the calendar year, so that they can. At least it, you know, start getting Squadron 42 maybe in some kind of shape for the, for that. So it, hopefully we'll know by December or early
1: March. Oh, the newsletter has a sneak peek for the new jump point physical volume. Oh,
3: well, there's that too. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, only it'll be a Tuesday, so you'll probably hear it not first. But if you're listening to the live stream, you heard it
2: first. Listen to the live stream on Friday nights and you'll know. This week's Star Citizen community question, what do you think comes after the 23 blockers are gone? Are you looking forward to your cockpit's new polish until it starts exploding? Tell us what you think. We'll let you know how in a moment.
0: But now it's time for news we didn't use. Paint packs, get your paint packs here The Python Predator Pack for mere pennies and pence in the Frontier Store. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune in the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation.
1: Okay, buddy, what's on your mind?
3: Some say he's trying to get his joke critics to where they sell crows, and that it's at a dairy so he can get away with murder. But all I know is he's called the Shiv, and he he'll put together this week's feedback. A recap of last week's community questions Star Citizen, are you one of the lucky few frolicking around in the new build? Do you think CIG has the right idea
0: about the turrets? Pick yourself up in X1. And our ED community question was Does the in game explanation of the weapons nerf make the medicine go down? Or is that spoonful of sugar just empty calories? Tell us what you think about the new announcements from Expo 17. Your opinions will be just as valid as ours. Bye. I just got the shiv joke. Anyway, go ahead.
1: <laughs> go ahead, Cancetto. Rambus writes in and says, I think Sig has the right idea from the start. I think it's more the backers that don't get it. Turrets are slave to the pilot's direction, not the other way around. If the pilot makes a change in flight direction, of course the direction of the turret will change. It's called multi-crew ship, then start to play like a multi-crew, use comms, and make use of teamwork. For example, with the Connie crew, what is more important? The turrets get to shoot at his target with his S1 guns or pilot's size 5 guns? The turret can add fire support on the main target or keep others off bay while they are firing at the main. From what I saw on the video at ATV, the cutlass just flies straight and shows the broadside, but the turret gunner gets to hit his shots on some Vanduul AI.
3: I get his point. There's two different ways to do turrets, and Shiv and I kind of discussed this a little bit earlier in the week. It's, are the turrets point defense system... On a big ship against smaller ships, and the big ship can't maneuver because it's on a mission or it's just not maneuverable. Or is it a small ship attacking a larger vessel, and the turrets are the main weapons, and the pilot still has maximum freedom of movement, and the turret operator has the big guns trained on the larger target, irrespective of where the pilot's actually pointing the ship. I think you have to pick one or the other. You can't really have an overlap or a merger of the two. got to pick one and go with it.
1: Well, the thing is, with Star Citizen, they have both use cases of ships. They have small ships with large turrets, and they have small ships with small turrets, and they have big ships with small turrets, etc.
3: I, I think you have to have two different turret designs depending on what the turret is supposed to be yeah. doing. I think that I, I think that that's the problem. There's not going to be one unifying to turret them all. They're going to have to have those two different cases and separate them.
2: Akrosi writes, For Star Citizen, the turret enter-exit changes are welcome, It would be disoriented to lock into a turret in an unexpected orientation. Regarding the targeting and movement, I feel turrets should be more aligned with the gunner than the pilot in that the turret gunner should be able to maintain tracking on an enemy independent of the pilot's flight within its firing arc. If a turret gunner has to compensate for the target's movements and the pilot's maneuvers, things will get messy and diminish returns. For Elite Dangerous, the AX missile nerf is fine. We don't know how the Thargoid assets are coded, so adjusting the damage of the missiles is likely a safer change than adjusting the Thargoids themselves. I do think that Galnet piece should have been released prior to the patch notes, but I also think players need to not go berserk so quickly. Regarding the ED Expo, there were great announcements that are going to improve Elite in 2018. I imagine these will be discussed next week, But the biggest ones for me were squadrons, expanded narratives, exploration, and the new lighting model and planetary tech. That visual target ice planet concept is beautiful, and if we get even close to that in quarter four 2018, I'll be ecstatic. I think the community at large are most pleased with the new ships. Who doesn't love new ships? And the quality of life updates to engineers.
3: Monte Adler writes in and says, Star Citizen, yes, and I'm not a streamer slash YouTuber slash podcaster. As for turrets, they certainly need work. Turret play is crucial to the multi-crew experience, and I'm glad they're taking time now to get them fun and rewarding. I didn't pick up an X1, though I'm not above picking one up in the game. Cheers.
0: And driver writes in and says, I think there is a lot of unknowns with turrets. It's going to take a lot of iteration. CIG is going to have to try and fail in order to get the data they need to make informed developmental choices. I think they are on the right track, though it's hard to say. Making sure to flesh out the features is the main thing that they can do to make sure that players feel useful in turret position. Improving the targeting system and adding alt fire is a good start. Adding a CNC position on the ship in the future will allow the ships to focus fire prior to targets and improve wood things even more. The game developer's mantra, fail faster. Oh yeah, I picked up an X1 Force. The extra shields make it more survivable. The amount of guns it has is meaningless if you're up against a fighter. The best thing you could do is take a few hits and get out of there. Sean Newboy writes in and says, Love the episode, everyone.
1: I hope their work with the turrets pays off. Time will tell. I'm seriously considering getting one of the X1 variants.
2: Wearchil writes, Regarding the weapons nerf, I don't play ED so I don't have a Furby in this fight, but I'd be more concerned that the devs didn't have the time to kill figured out before deploying the update. They should have known whether a single ship could bring down a Thargoid and should have decided if they wanted it that way or not prior to releasing the content.
1: I was curious about that, too. I mean, it didn't seem like it took very long for people to to do single ship takedowns. And it didn't like, sound like they were exploiting anything, either.
3: No, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that they've been upping the Thargoids' AI at the same time as they've been decreasing the effectiveness of the weapons. I think a lot of that might have had to do with the balance between keeping content secret and actually testing it. They, Their own internal developers may not have done things like done the reverse key, which is where you fly backwards and shoot forwards, uh, which is what you have to do with the missiles uh, to, to make that go, because the AI build and most of the other AI critter enemies know how to defeat that. They may not have had that option activated on the Thargoid AI because they're, tr- they're still trying to dial it in. Or they may have, that might have been an error of some kind. So particular tactics combined with particular weapons combined with the fact that they've tried to keep it secret could have created a perfect storm. Again, you know, you should have that all tested, but it's common knowledge that the developers are not always the best pilots. Uh, it's the, the people that play the game 40 hours a week, not the ones that actually have to do the hard work of punching in the code and stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, some things you just can't find out until it gets out there to the wild animals that are the butt fedoras that are out there, you know. In general feedback, LNO Rebel says, Good show, sticky outy tongue face. P.S. Where the f is Squadron 42, sticky outy tongue face? And yes, I think, well, look for the holiday live stream. You heard it here first ish if
1: you were on the live stream.
0: I still don't think they're going to give us any type of timeline on that. No, no. no. we'll
1: get a video or something. And the the website will be updated to twenty eighteen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not twenty nineteen.
3: But
1: it's twenty it's twenty seventeen still.
2: Yeah, but there'll only be like eighty issues keeping them from releasing it, so it'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, the ATV
3: ended, they had the little, you know, farewell say the old outro and it was, you know, five short years later. We've come so far in such a short amount of time, and I'm just like <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Did you want to say, have you been here? <laughs> it's like, you know, that that's one of the that's one of the bits that should have ended up at the cutting room yes, floor. That exactly. should have just, yeah, you know, that one, that one kind of stung. That one, that one hurt just a little bit. That one got me right about here, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. oh, and for all, for all you people in radio land, that was my my finger going across my throat. So, uh, oh, yeah, they, that was that. They was,
1: took the the year off the website. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure they did.
2: They were talking about Christmas 2017, right, for the announcement there.
3: <laughs> Add 60 days, St. Patrick's Day, 2008. Who knows? Uh, it, it, yeah, so there will be no announcement about Squadron 42 at CitizenCon, and what they'll have is probably, like like Kinshado said, a video of some kind on Squadron 42, which, of course, is what they had at GamesCon or CitizenCon 2015.
1: It was two years ago we had the Morrow tour at the, at the CitizenCon UK. And then last year they were supposed to have the vertical slice, but it got cut at the last minute, right? And so the right. whole, the, most people theorized that we would get the vertical slice this year at CitizenCon, but they're basically confirming that it's not going to happen. It's all going to be all right. 3.x showcase stuff. So hopefully yeah. we'll see the vertical slice at least this Christmas.
3: And if not, at least there'll be a wreath in your hanger.
1: <laughs> Another wreath.
0: No new Patreon this week, but our random winners of the week is Kitro. Our Elite Dangerous community question, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! What was your favorite thing about all the things that are going to happen? Give us your best guess about the killer app Frontier will ship for Elite in 2018. Your Star Citizen community question, what do you think
1: comes after the 23 blockers are gone? Are you looking forward to your cockpit's new polish until
0: it starts exploding? Drop us an email, a tweet, or a comment on our show post, which you can find on our website and over on our Facebook page. So, how was the show? A
1: safe passing distance or too close for comfort? Either way, let us know. Here's how you can get in touch with us. Why not leave us a comment on this show's post over at guardfrequency.com?
0: Or hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak.
3: You can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind.
0: And that brings us to the end of episode 189 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 190 on October 24th. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com.
3: But that's not all. You can also subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. If you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should come and join us at 10 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency live on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Do
1: you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Drop us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And you can also support the show by visiting our website, clicking on that Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. For just buck 25 a week, you'll get access to the raw recordings of our live shows, some Guard Frequency goodies, and an invitation to our elite, private Elite Dangerous Flight Group. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us with their subscriptions week on week, and hope you'll consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we can get, the better show we can make.
3: Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. You can find us all over at discord.guardfrequency.com. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. that cover all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at priorityonepodcast.com.
0: We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Our thanks go out to our community manager, Justin Shivarybean Lowmaster, our artist Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, our staff writer Jace Pintad, and of course our audio engineer Mikey. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely.
3: Tony Squawkbox Sync One. This
0: is Jeff Squawkbox Box Sync Two.
3: This is Ken Shadow
2: Squawk Box Sync Three. This is Oc- uh, this is Henry Squawk Box Sync Four. I almost said Ostron. You almost said Ostron. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I wasn't even joking. Right. I was literally reading the thing, and <laughs> I said, oh, I don't know. Let's do a show, guys. Let's do a show.
3: The show in three, <laughs> two. This is Tony uh, Flight Deck, Sync One, and Jeff. Did you get in there in time?
0: Yes, I got there in time. Uh, you could have waited till I started, and then you could have asked me if I got in there in no, time. No, no, no. Now you can in sink, too. as always. Now you can <clears> sink, too. <throat> hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Go, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, This is Jeff. Flight deck, sink,
1: Ah, <sighs> This is Ken Shadow. I I think I'm sinking on three now. This is Henry. Flight deck, sink, three. Four. Jeez. There we
0: go. Good job. Shut up, Ostrang. God, 3.5. what a day. What a terrible Dang day. Dang it, Ostron. All right, here we go. Flight deck in three, two. Lead designer, Sandro Marco, art director, Chris Gregory, and game director, Lawrence Oldham, and senior community manager, Edward Lewis-Took, took to oh, this. Oh, whoops.
1: There should be a space here. There should be a space <laughs> Lewis-Took. Frontier intends to charge. Charge. We're going to charge That's for not that. going to help. That won't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> mm. It's to be $5 to mine. Sorry, guys. Anyway. <laughs>
3: wait wait wait, wait. Do, do that again do it at the same level that yes was do, do, get up there hey
0: okay. oh
3: no I've killed <laughs> Jeff. Oh, that's terrible. Jeff
0: that's alright the right. excitement's finally we'll him.
3: the him he's been around since the beginning of clap. time and this excitement over squadrons is finally doing do him our,
1: in do our ratings go up if he dies while reading the, the copy probably yeah <laughs> that's a one
0: trick pony we can't do it every week yeah <laughs> Collapsed along the there. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I know. I was reading ahead, so oh, okay. I tripped a little. Oh, less. Uh, go, go kin an-
3: Antonazzi. Go kin Antonazzi.
1: Go kin. Wait, go kin. Am I go kin. To... Jeff? Am I go supposed kin. to go now? <laughs> <laughs> am I supposed to go? I'm not sure. Go, go Somebody tell go me. Kin. Go kin go <laughs> God, I wish somebody would tell me if I could, if I should go now.
0: Go kin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one other one other procedural point. Can you guys hear my cat?
3: Yeah, me one second. Somebody make good radio. Uh. That is
2: a fail. <laughs> that is not good radio. Yeah, that's, <laughs> Sorry, that is guy. not good. Not that is good like,
3: radio. boy, that's like an asthma, di- an asthma uh, victim dying slowly. Why don't we just that's, let that's... Jeff
2: cough again?
1: Why not leave us a comment on this show's post over at Guard Frequency for our free-free-free. Far free. For frequent free
3: Uh No pets have ever been harmed <laughs> during the making of Guard Frequency. <laughs> ever. <laughs>